Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Say what needs to be said. It's your boy, Sante Samuel, back with another episode. Coach Prime is gaining valuable experiences coaching against top college football programs. As Coach Prime continues to lead the Colorado Buffaloes against top 25 opponents in the Pac-12, he understands the kind of talent he needs to compete against these top recruits in the country. And at the same time, he's discovering new talent and weapons on his team as he gets familiar with the new players. You know, he just got there. He got, you know, he brought in 70 new players. So he's only been a year with them. So he's getting more familiar and familiar with them. So he's learning how to use them. What not? The Amarion Millers, the Kamarni McLeans, and so on and so forth. But fans and supporters of, of Coach Prime, people who support Coach Prime and want to see him be successful, will begin to get anxious and impatient as he get closer and closer to victory against these top 10 and top teams and top 10 teams and stuff like that. Because, you know, people don't really want to see you digress. They always want to see you progress. And being that he's setting the bar so high for himself, it only it, it can come back and not look as delicious, as, you know, as good as you, you want it. But you got to understand and be patient that this has not been done and he is doing things that is unprecedented with a new team and the Colorado Buffs. So give him time. But Coach Prime and Shadur Sanders understood exactly what they was coming into to play this game against Caleb Williams and USC. They knew exactly what was at stake, right? And here, here what was at stake for Coach Prime and, and his son, Shadur Sanders. A chance to get in the Heisman Trophy race. A chance to win against a top 10 football team. You know, Colorado ain't won against a top 10 program in, in 20 years. So a chance to do that. And most of all, a chance to silence the critics. First and foremost, you know, everybody always want to silence the critics. And they coming in, they hating, they saying this, they saying that. You got good things, you got bad things. So the first thing you always want to do is, is silence the critics. And I'm sure at what Coach Prime wants to do. You know, with that being said, right, with that being said, it looked like Shadur came out understanding that this is a big game. And I'm going to put this game on my back and I'm going to show the world that I'm better than Caleb Williams. I am him. I need to be the Heisman Trophy winner coming up. You know, that's what it looked like he came. He came out, you know, trying, you know, to do a little too much. Not taking what the defense was giving. The underneath routes, letting the, letting the talent be the talent. You know, catch the ball and, and, and break a few tackles. You know, make a miss and score. But he, was, he wanted to make the big play early, you know, took some negative plays. Probably should have got the ball out quicker. But he also made some plays. He also made some plays when things wasn't going so good for, for Colorado in the first half with his arms and his feet on a long pass and scoring with his feet. So he definitely kept it competitive. But I think the environment, you know, at the time, you know, what this game was all about, uh, who is against, I think that was all on the line and, and was getting to, to the young man, right? Like I say, got to just, got to settle down and take what the defense give you. And then when you open it up, then you go for the for the home runs. But now let's talk about Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams was 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 the opposite. He came out on fire, right? They came out on fire. They run a lot of screens, a lot of quick plays, a lot of catching runs, and that plays to Caleb's talent. You know, he throw the ball out there. He could get it out quick. He got the the Patrick Mahomes ability. You know, you know, catch the ball from any angle and kind of throw it sideways, uh, any type of angle, and get the ball out quick to the receivers or running backs. So they can run the ball and be effective. And that is designed for him. That fits him well. So 
you know, they're playing to to his strengths and his to his abilities, right? Like he is the type of quarterback that can release the ball from any angle, man. It's like he could damn near throw it backwards if he want, man. And you know, like I say, the Patrick Mahomes ability, the effect he has, like you know, it's it's a it's a damn good talent. I think he probably got to be a baseball player too to understand how to throw it side on. But you know, that's a whole nother another situation. You know, I'm also impressed with the young man. I'm in, I'm impressed with his his pocket awareness. You know, understanding the pressure when he's in the pocket, where it's at, when to escape, when to get away, uh, reading, you know, reading things, feeling, feeling that pressure. But on that cornerback blitz, he could have saw that a mile away. He missed that one. And, you know, I know he wish he could have had that one back, but I, I'm, I'm impressed with his pocket presence. He, he does a, a pretty good job with that, right? But the concerns that I have for Caleb is, you know, as you've seen out the game, I'm concerned with his deep ball ability. His deep ball ability, you know, I would say it's 50-50. Um, his arm strength is not so strong from what I've seen, and it's not so accurate. It was a few times where, or one time where the man was wide open for the touchdown. He ran, ran past everybody. And, he, yeah, he, he overthrew it, but he threw it so quick, you know, like kind of anticipating that he can't throw it out there too far. And then another time he was kind of on the run. It was like a, you know, backwards, like against you, you know, throwing it against your body type throw. And, you know, it could have been a touchdown, but the ball fell short and it was intercepted. So I have those concerns with Caleb Williams and his deep ball. No, no concerns with his underneath in the quick, quick game. He's very, very good at that. He excels very well at that. But he will continue to develop. And like I said, he's an extremely talented guy. And the next level will, will fix a lot of things, right? But then the second half came. And the second half came and things got rolling for Colorado. You know, I was impressed. I was highly impressed over the adjustments Coach Prime and staff made going into the second half. Because that's what it's all about when you're a coach. You got to be able to make the adjustments. You got to adapt. You got to feel what's coming the next half. You got to stop what was bleeding the team from the first half or just get the team playing how you need them to play. And that's what it's about. And they answered that. It was like Colorado came alive. Shador, he tapped into his Brady inner self and tried to lead this team to a comeback after they was down like 20, 21 plus points in the, in the second half. You know, him and Brady's you know, got a pretty cool relationship. And, you know, he, he you seen that he he tapped into that to that inner uh, Brady and wanted to and tried to lead that team to victory. It was score for score. It became it became a shootout, score for score. Who going to mess up first? Who going to stop who first? And that's one thing I would like to see different from Colorado. I want to see Colorado change the tempo and stop the no huddle every single play. You don't have to run the no, no huddle every single play. Slow the ball down and keep the ball away from the opposing team or USC. And these teams have good offense and they want to run no, no huddle too. They want to control the tempo too. But the difference is Colorado will... Currently, as of now, the defense for Colorado is a liability. So if you're going shootout for shootout, Colorado probably won't make the stop before the other team. So let's try something different this time, and let's come out in a huddle, controlling the tempo, slowing it down, making them frustrated that they don't have the ball in their hand, making them wait to get the ball in hand. So when they finally do get it, they're too anxious, and they, they do something uncharacteristic and could lead into a turnover. But the experience Coach Prime is gaining from these games are irreplaceable. Money can't buy these things. Like, you know, Coach Prime, he previously was a coach at high school, 
head coach of high school, head coach at a HBCU, a black college. I don't even know if he was the head coach at the high school, but you know, that's what they said. So, you know, this experience he need he needs a lot of this experience and it's going to do him well for in the future, right? He didn't get to work under no big head coach or a big time division 1 college to see how things go or or to have a mentor, defensive coordinator for Florida State or Florida. No, he jumped right into the fire. Head coach, Colorado, Pac-12, and he got to figure it out. He got to learn on the run, right? But there were some things that came up in the game where, like I said, Coach Prime is gaining experience. He's learning on the run, and, you know, that's going to be a part of the process. Even coaches that's been in the league 20 years still learning. That's part of everybody, right? So there was some situational football that came up in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, how it was handled is up for debate. But it was the fourth quarter. and There was no timeouts. And there was a few minutes left in the game. And Colorado was trying to win the game. And they ran the ball a few times, threw a few passes. And, and they, was, they executed and, and scored. And it seemed like everything was playing out perfect into the onside kick. And everything kind of timed up perfect. But in my eyes, that situational football, even the onside kick, didn't look like it was practiced on where is, this is important in practice. You know, we, we're taking out 10, 15 minutes out of practice to make sure we're going over onside kick. So it was like it was the last thing on the list. This situational football, you know, it, the time management was an issue, right? Getting the calls in promptly. And just basically executing the whole situational football, right? I, it was times where they was running the ball, running the ball. Like I said, it timed up perfectly. But in my eyes, I think it, a little more could have been done, especially getting the ball in, I mean, getting the call in promptly and quicker. That definitely would have helped. But let me give you an example of what Colorado need to do in practicing the defensive coordinator and officer coordinator to bring situation awareness to the team. Here goes an example. And I'm going to tell you the answer at, to this question at the end. So, and I want y'all to comment down below or write a message, whatever, and, and let me know your answer. Fourth down and seven. Ball on your 30-yard line with no timeouts left and one minute left before halftime comes and you just got a first down. What's next? Football one-on-one. What you do next? Write down below. Comment below. Let me know. I'm going to tell you at the end. This is football one-on-one, but I'll tell you at the end. But apply these situational football practices to practice. Give the players a quiz. Every day is going to be, I'm going to give you a situation, and you have to figure it out. I'm going to put the situation out on the field, offense, defense, everybody make the, the best decision. And that, simple as that, brings awareness to the team. And just being aware of your situations because at the end of the day, everybody's out here to win and, and we want to win. So, you know, like I said, that'll bring awareness. But uh, but Colorado seem a little undermanned sometimes. It's like you outman, undermanned, just their athletes seem like they were more athletic and, you know, just better recruits. And I don't think that's too far-fetched to say. You know, it seemed like they were undermanned, but Whatever that Colorado lacked, they made up in speed. I don't know what y'all saw, but Colorado players look much faster than USC players all around the board. So whatever Colorado lacked in outman, they made up in speed because Colorado was faster than USC all around the board in my eyes. I don't know what y'all saw. And that's a, a key for success right there, right? Being fast is speed kills. Simple as that. 
All right. But the next game is against Arizona State. Arizona State. So Colorado should should win this game. You got to win the games you're supposed to win and and win them convincingly in a fashionable manner. You know what I mean? Don't go out there making it a close game, having critics, more things to say. Go out and win this game convincingly. Stomp them down. Kill a mosquito with axe. Do whatever you're supposed to do. And that's how you're going to silence the critics and you keep building, building, building. You know, get that confidence back. Get back on track. You know, you got a couple game, tough games. You just lost. So now it's time to get back on track. And the the players will love that, right? And dominate the games you're supposed to dominate. But I was glad to see Cormani McLean out there making plays. Coach Prime and him, you know, you seen in the media they had issues and they put their differences to the side. And the young man's out there playing and contributing to the team. You know, they got amazing ability and it will be a shame to see it go to waste. But I'm, um, you know, big ups to Coach Primes and shout out to Coach Prime, man. You know, understanding we were all young men before. So, you know, sometimes we go through things and we just need help figuring it out. They got that situation worked out and they're putting it to the side. But Shador Sanders has found a new weapon. And this new freshman, man, let me tell you, he is a game breaker. It's a Marion Miller kid. Then he just came out of nowhere. You know, barely played before this. You know, had over 100 yards, but four, five catches. He had one, you know, little five-yard hitch. He took like seven yards. Speed. Then he had one one-hand catch with the guy pass interference. Then he had one catch when they, when Shadour's leading the game, trying to lead the team back to victory. And boom, slide catch for a touchdown. That boy is a gamer, man. See? And that's what I'm saying. Coach Prime is starting to understand his players and understand the talent he has on the team. And they're being discovered from everywhere. And like I say, give Coach Prime time. And we're going to see what he what he about in the future. They join the Big 12 next year. So, you know, that's going to be a different challenge from the Pac-12. I think they a little slow over there in the Big 12. So it might be more easy. It might be even easier for, for Coach Prime. And Kayla Williams versus Shador Sanders. Who won this quarterback battle, in your opinion? I, I know Caleb Williams, he kind of, you know, took over the first half, even though Shador still was competitive. But second half was totally different. But, you know, both these young men were impressive at the game. But if you had to draft one right now in the first round, first pick, top five pick to lead your team, who are you taking? Are you taking Caleb Williams or Shador Sanders? What, who are you taking? Because I did a little talent. I did a little talent scouting while I was watching. And, um, you know, this is the difference between these two quarterbacks that I see, right? Well, Caleb has a quicker release and maybe a tad bit faster. That's the only difference I see that Caleb has from, from Shador. And Shador Sanders has a stronger arm with more accuracy. You know what I mean? They're both winners. One with a strong arm, more accuracy. One more playmaking, dazzling ability. You know what I mean? Uh, quicker release, that Patrick Mahomes type release. Who are you taking? But at the end of the day, both of these kids are exceptional players and exceptional talent. And they have a bright future ahead of them. And we don't do nothing but wish them nothing but the best. And they're going to continue to go out there and do their thing. So, uh, you know, shout out to Coach Prime. Shout out to everybody supporting them. And um, see what's up next for the, the Colorado Buffs. All right, answer to your question. Fourth down to seven, ball on your 30-yard line. No timeouts with one minute left before halftime, and you just got the first down. What's your answer? Football one-on-one, what you do? What's the answer? Spike the ball. That type of awareness to the team, make it that simple. Awareness to the team, man. Apply that to practice, everything will be cool. All right, say what needs to be said. Moving on to the next one. Being suspended from the game of football can be very depressing. 
let alone have you feeling like you're watching your family go to war or have a fight and you can't participate. A win, lose, a draw. And that's just the way it got to be. You got to be on the sidelines and they're out there going to war, fighting, clawing, battling, doing everything they can do to try to win that game. And you got to sit on the sidelines just helpless. I've seen plenty of players all across the league cry because they can't participate in the game. It's a very emotional and passionate game. That's the effect the NFL has on us players. Very physical, passionate. You know, that's the that's the mentality it will it will put on you when you you in the war or getting ready for that war. You see players crying all across the league. That's you know, that's that's a real feeling. That's a real thing. There's no faking in that. There's no faking. So that's a real thing. Know that. Know that. But gambling has always been a dominant force in the world. And now that sports betting is allowed in the NFL and in the sports world, it's taking gambling to another level. But the NFL is doing its best to make sure they are ahead of the curve when it comes to this sports betting and want to make sure that sports betting don't become detrimental to the NFL or the game of football. Right. They don't want no problems and no mix ups with the fixed games and and, and the, the players fixing games and all those type of situations. So that's why they instituting all these new policies and and trying to hurry up and stay ahead of the curve. But how to how do they get to this point with the players to try to negotiate these new policies? Right. In order to have successful negotiations. Right. Both sides have to give a little to receive a little. When you're trying to come to a resolution, you can't want everything your way. So it's always got to give a little to take a little. So it seems like the NFL PA and the NFL are listening and hearing players complain and, and put their input on things they seem deemed unfair and, you know, want change. So this is why this all is coming about. And I think it's pretty cool that you know, everybody is being transparent and coming to resolutions to to fix problems that, you know, players don't seem deemed unfair. It's a player's game. Right. But the NFL policy will immediately help the Detroit Lions with the reinstatement of wide receiver Jamison Williams. Right. The, the wide receiver room will automatically get an upgrade. He was a first round pick and they had high hopes for him. He had a few problems here and there, but, you know, it take a little while to get his rust, but he's going to have immediate impact because he got a lot of speed and stuff like that. But, you know, it's been a while, so we got to see how it's going to go for him. And also um, coming off suspension is the Titans offensive lineman Nicholas Petit. They were both serving a six-game suspension. And with the new policy, now they're immediately reinstated, which is good for the team. So, you know, hopefully that give them a little boost and – you know, they can upgrade a team, be a little better. But let's take a look at the new gambling policies, right? I want to highlight at the bottom. Check out the bottom, right? Betting other than NFL football in workplace or while working will result in suspension. You know, they got the suspensions down there, first time, second time, and all that. But I want to talk to you about that. It says it will result in suspension if you're gambling while at the workplace. And if you don't understand, the workplace is our home. This is where we have fun, enjoy ourselves on our breaks when we're not talking football or when we're not game planning, trying to win football games. We got to have some fun. So how do they plan on making a team turning players for violating these policies? Me and, uh, me and my friend playing checkers or uh, 
or chess or, or dominoes or anything. We placing little wages. That's fun to us. You know, we always want to have a competitive edge and keep keep the fun alive and compete because that's what we do on a daily basis. And that is our professional profession to compete. So I don't see any, there is no team that is going to turn their player in for having some fun gambling on the side. That's what they mean, what they mean by this new policy. But, you know, it's a policy they got to put in, in in place for, for whatever reasons. You know, obviously they want to protect the integrity of the game. So that is the main point. But no coach is going to turn in players and get rid of weapons that they want to use for this upcoming week's game and say, listen here, NFL, PA, such and such. We got caught playing dominoes. He was he was gambling for a thousand dollars. He got to be suspended. So team, we lose such and such for this week. Ain't nobody doing that, man. Unless you you know player got a the coach got a problem with the player and he trying to you know get him released or anything like that. But I hear I hear people talking all the time about the NFL is rigged and and how it's fixed and scripted and all those things. But I don't understand how they feel like it's rigged and. And scripted. I feel like it's deeper than that because everybody that says these pretty much are gambling on these games. So when you're gambling, you're emotionally tied to these games because you want it to go your way. And sometimes you feel like it's going your way. But you have to understand how hard it would be to rig or fix a game. You know, it would, a variety of different people would have to be involved from the ref to to the quarterback and and probably the wide receiver. Everybody, a lot of people will have to be in tune into this fixing of the game. It's it's what nine to eleven refs in the game. You got eleven people on offense, eleven people on defense. So it would be extremely hard to fix a game. Yeah, you can get away with a few plays here and there, but to fix a game, man, come on, man, that's a pretty tough task. But on the other hand, you're asking a quarterback to get involved. A quarterback. Do you understand how much a quarterback makes? Quarterback makes millions on top of millions of dollars. So if you're coming to a quarterback and you're saying, I want him to fix a game, do you understand the price that that would take for him to be involved, to even think about something like that? Even if they did think about something like that, that would be ridiculous. But I I, I don't see this ever being a problem with the fixing of, of the game. For for the fans and, and, and the sports betters, it's your emotions that you're attached to in the, in these games when you're betting. You're coming up short, but it looks like you're about to have a victory most of the time. Uh, you're winning by 21 points, and then they come back and win by three points in the fourth quarter. So it's the bookie that's tearing you up, making you feel like this game is rigged and fixed. No, this game is not rigged and fixed. You just can't figure out this bookie, and this bookie is tearing your butt up. Sports betting will always continue, and it will continue to grow and grow and grow. It ain't going nowhere. And they they have this here to stay. If you continue to feel like this game is rigged or fixed because they just came back from 21 points, man, you got to get out of sports betting business, man. You got to figure out another hustle because this, this ain't for you. You can't keep blaming it on the rigs and being fixed and stuff like that. But with that, all that being said, that's the the new NFL gambling policies. And, you know, like gambling is here to stay. Sports betting is here to stay. And it's going to help the game grow. And they finally teamed up sports betting and professional sports. That is what the way, what the world has been waiting on. And it's finally here. So it's a new trend and it's everywhere. So place your bets. 
have fun, and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. Till next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.